It's been a good morning already, hasn't it? But we're not going home yet. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, while y'all are turning there, in the 8 o'clock service, I had the opportunity to introduce some um, two young ladies that I met this week. Um, one of them called me several months back and she said, hey, she said, we've got mutual friends and they recommended you. And the short story is, is they was doing a camp called um, Sports Quest over in Baton Rouge, over in the Gardier Lane and Burbank area. And was gonna, they was there for two weeks ministering to kids and doing sports, but more importantly, teaching them the gospel in the midst of that. You know, it was a lot of um, underprivileged kids. And so they come this morning, they was actually on their way back home to, to northeast Oklahoma. And so, but they drove from Segan Lane out to come worship with us this morning, eight o'clock before they left. And so what I'll tell y'all that I didn't tell first service because I didn't want to embarrass her was um, the little girl that called me. Her name was Jordan Houston. Well, in the midst of the conversation, it come up that her grandfather was Jimmy Houston. I was starstruck for 30 seconds. Who knows who Jimmy Houston is? I used to watch all of his shows on TV fishing. And if I could meet anybody, it would have been him and Bill Dance. So I'm hoping that this friendship is going to get me a trip to northeast Oklahoma to meet him one day. <laughs> but that, that's, that's for free. But anyway, but they did an amazing work, and I'm just telling you, as a church, we're going to partner with them next year, and we're going to bring them a meal over there. There was two guys that come, flew in from Belgium to come in and work with this camp. They've been working with it for several years, and then they had people that was from around the United States there, so we can bring them food and just go hang out with them and let, let them eat with good one night. So, uh, But it was a really neat ministry. I got to go bring my dogs Friday night and show how big our God is because it was sun shining, sun shining, blistering hot. We're supposed to be in a park out there. 30 minutes before we was going to load up to go, the bottom just fell out. And where was both my raincoats hanging by my back door? So I got soaked, but Breck opened up a gym and we was able to present the gospel in there. And so um, it, it was really good. But um, this morning we're talking about America. And, and I want to read you a couple of things I found that somebody wrote, only in America. Only in America are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. <laughs> Only in America do drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back to get their prescriptions while healthy people buy suntan lotion up front. <laughs> Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. I don't find that funny. I'm pretty partial to a double quarter pounder and a Diet Coke. I've done it. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in a driveway and fill our garages with junk. I got corrected last night. It's stuff. I don't know. Only in America do we have Braille on a drive-up ATM machine. But you know what? With all that stuff, Johnny Morgan's going to go to his deathbed that America is an amazing place to live. And we're blessed to live here. After the first service this morning, Miss Beth Hill, as our lady Sunday school teacher, she caught me and she said, let me tell you about how blessed we are. Because see, right now we're sitting in an air-conditioned room on comfy chairs. We don't have to hide. We can sing our hearts out and worship God. We can read our Bibles. We can go into small groups. We don't have to hide it. She was telling me about when she lived 
um, overseas in, in Iran, and they would literally get on a bus at night, turn off the headlights in the dark, and she would put two of her kids on there with her, and they would travel through that city in the dark with no lights to go to where they could worship God and travel back. We don't have to do that. You know, we don't have to do that. We're blessed. But if we don't take today and take Scripture and learn from it, we're going to lose what we have real quick. Because there's people today that are fighting to take Christianity out of America. And it's our job to defend our ground and worship God. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1. It says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of, of the truth. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for this beautiful day, Father. What an opportunity we have to walk into church and smell barbecue because of what our forefathers did to protect us for today so that, more importantly, we can worship you without hiding behind closed doors. We can worship you in public. We can talk about you in public and not be fear, live in fear of persecution. Father, but we need to follow your word to protect. Father, we love you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. You know, as you read that and as you look at it, the groundwork has been set. Do you hear me? The groundwork has been set for our country. As I was getting ready, I run across some things, and um, these are just really interesting to me to just show what our country was founded on. When the First Continental Congress met, they were debating on how the Declaration of Independence should be written. Ben Franklin got up and said, gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from a flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. After having said that, 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence went to their knees and began to pray and seek God's wisdom. Can you imagine what would happen today? What would happen today if our representatives and if our senators and, and our governor and, and all of our um, people in authority every day started on their knees worshiping God? If they started on their knees begging God to show us what we need to do as a nation to live? Wow. But let me tell you something this morning. It's, it can start, but it's going to start right here. It's going to start right here with us. Because what in this Bible, what's it saying here? Whenever you read scripture, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's telling us right there, you need to be praying for everybody. But then he goes on, he says, but pray for the kings and those in, in authority. It don't matter if you like them or not. It don't, vote if you, it don't matter if you voted for them or not. He says, pray for them. Pray for them. What would change if we really every day started praying for our elected officials? I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but how many of us can honestly say that we pray for our elected officials every day? Or once a week? Or once a month? 
or ever. But what does God's word tell us? I got a screenshot of my computer monitor. And I love post-it notes. If you go in my office right now, I keep stacks of post-it notes, and I write on them, and then I'll go through them about once a week and throw them in the garbage as I complete my task. Because there's just times I sit at my desk, and I write myself a note to remember that I need to get up and go to the bathroom every once in a while. Because I'll get busy and forget. So I keep notes on post-it notes. But I found this really cool app that I can put on my computer that's a post-it note app. I can change the colors of the post-it notes and stuff. And so I'll do that a lot. And I have these little electronic post-it notes on my computer screen. Well, this one never goes away on there. I actually took, on the bottom of it, I actually have missionaries, but I took them off because I didn't want it to get published because some of them are in countries that they're not supposed to be in um, with the gospel. But every day, every time I look at my computer screen, every time I look at my computer screen, this is what I look at, that I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for my staff and for their families. I need to pray for my church family. I need to pray for schools, administrators, and teachers. I need to pray for the finances of this church. I need to be praying for marriages. And I have it listed like this. I need to pray for Sheriff Ard and his family and all the other government officials and pray for pastors and churches. So every day, every time I look at my computer monitor, multiple times during the day in the evenings, I'm praying for those things. And I'm not saying that to say, we look what Brother Johnny does, but I'm telling you it's that important that we all need to be put our post-it notes, put something somewhere to remind us to be praying for, for everybody, but then to be praying for our ones in authority too. And so where do we start? Where is America, where is the change for America going to start? It's going to start right here today. It's going to start in our hearts. It's going to start when we start praying for people, when we start praying for our government. A few weeks ago, I was reading on the internet that um, President Trump walked into David Platt's church, and David Platt is a well-known pastor and writer, and he stopped and had his whole church pray for the president. It started a, a big deal in his church. There was people in his church that got mad at him for praying for the president. Well, let me just tell Live Oak Baptist Church, if that barrage of cars pulls up in our parking lot one Sunday and a President Trump walks in this service, we're going to worship, we're going to worship in word, and then we're going to pray for him. Not because he's Donald Trump, but because he's our president. And we need to be praying for him. And so you can go ahead and start getting edgy now in case he pulls up in here one day. You know, we're going to pray for him. And then we're going to go to Duke's. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but when you read God's word, you know, it's going to start with prayer. But then where else is it going to go? Because what's he tell us? We need to be praying. But then he says, we need to live peaceful and quiet lives. He has never been to the Morgan house. There is nothing quiet that goes on between our, on our property. But he tells us that we're to be quiet, that we're to live in quiet lives, that we're to live, but it goes on. It says, but live godly. Live godly and live in holiness. How are we going to do that? How do we attain that? Right here. Right here. Between the covers of this Bible, you read this. You study this. It's not easy. It's not easy to live a quiet life. It's not easy to live a holy life. It's not easy to live a godly life. But we can do it. 
But we have to get into God's Word. We have to spend time in God's Word. And we have to spend time in prayer. Because what's he start with? He tells us to start with prayer, for praying for everybody. And then he tells us how to live. If you live godly and you live holy, then things are going to change. Are we willing to take that challenge? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to get into this Word and do that? You know, last week and you know, at camp, it was just amazing to see the worship and to see the Word and to see the responses. You know, and, and it's like, and I don't know if I said it at the beginning when I was introducing Laban and Lane, but, you know, if you've been to camp and the last night's the best night, we had the last night every night there. But I think it's because of the focus. I think I know that it was because of the prayer. I know that the group of youth ministers that planned this camp that Mike met with, with Mike and Luke and Doug, it was bathed in prayer and it was bathed in prayer and it was bathed in prayer. And I know Michael John Clement, the worship leader, it was bathed in prayer before he showed up on his team. And Griff, you know, whenever Derek accepted it to, to come do the camp, it immediately become a prayer for him. And so when we walked in on that camp, it had been prayed up. Well, that's how we ought to live our life. We ought to walk in on Sunday mornings prayed up and ready to see what God has for us. You know, we ought to walk in ready to worship. And so when you hear these words and he tells us, he says, pray for everybody, not just the people you like. Pray for everybody. Pray for your authorities. Pray for your kings. And then he tells us to live peaceful and quiet lives and to live godly and holy lives. But then it goes on, and then it finishes like this. He said, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people, all people, he wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you hear that? He's not leaving anything out. He's telling us, you need to pray for all people. You need to live a godly and holy life. And then you need to be telling all people because he wants all people to know him. How does that happen? How does that happen? It means that we have to sell out. You know, we have to share Christ in everything that we do. But you want to know the sad truth? You want to know the sad truth? is There's an awful lot of people sitting in churches just like this all across the nation right now that are going to amen and they're going to agree with their pastors. But when we walk out their doors, we're not going to do anything about it. When we walk out their doors, we realize we leave our mission field in here when our mission field's out there. And we're content with walking out and saying, I got my check marked. And then we don't pray for nobody during the week. We don't seek to live a godly life during the week. And we don't seek to tell anybody about Christ during the week. Our world is not going to change until we change our attitudes. Our world is not going to change until we change our hearts. You know, and my desire is to see America break out in revival. But where does it start? Here. It starts here. You know, I'm going to go back and I want to pick on Laban and and Lane, and um, a couple of the things that they said when they texted me. You know, Laban, it said, it showed me that my life is entirely for Jesus. What a mouthful. What a mouthful. How many of us realize that our life is entirely for Jesus? That needs to be the start point for some of us, because some of us think that it's about us. 
He said, it showed me that my life is entirely for Jesus and I need to live it that way. Wow. How old is Laban? 17? He's almost got it figured out. He's not perfect, is he? Is he, Dad? But for him to realize that his life is entirely for Jesus and that he needs to live it that way, but then it goes on. To live it that way by being in a word. That means he's got to take action in all of this. And then to live every single day trying to find another human being that hasn't heard the gospel. Wow. This morning, we had two young ladies in 8 o'clock service that have adopted Baton Rouge. They've been coming to Baton Rouge for several years now to do missions in Baton Rouge. Is that not wild? Baton Rouge is our town. Baton Rouge is in our shadow. And yet they got girls coming from northeast Oklahoma, and we got guys coming from Belgium into our backyard. We ought to be doing it. We ought to be able to call Belgium and say, hey, don't come back. Don't come back. Go here. Go to Lafayette now. Or go to New Orleans now because we got Baton Rouge covered. But we can't do that. We can't even say we got Watson covered right now. And then my friend Lane, the first time she looked at me, she looked me dead in the face and she said, I don't like you. I don't want to know you. And I'm going back to my other church. And now she's like my daughter, huh? I can't throw her out my hip pocket. But listen to her words. If you're not actively pursuing the presence of Jesus, don't expect to have an active faith. Wow. Wow. How old are you, Lane? 18? 18. She's ahead of some of us. Because she's figured it out. That we have, that we have to be pursuing him. We have to be pursuing him. When we read these words, it says, I urge you, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for the kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of truth. Today, today, what are we going to do? At the end of the service, um, I'm going to have some of the guys standing by the doors and these flags, I get all choked up when I see a flag. These flags, I have one for each family. Not person, but each family. And I got these flags because I was really praying this weekend. Thank goodness for Amazon. It can ship in two days, right? Yeah. My family jokes and says, one day I'm going to go home to be with Jesus and they're going to get packages for three days afterwards and not know what they far from Amazon. <laughs> but as I was praying and seeking and thinking, how can, God, how can I give a reminder to our people of what we're supposed to be doing? What better way to pray for our government, pray for our authorities, and pray for our people than with the flag that this country was founded on? So I've got every family a flag. Take this home. Put this in your house somewhere to where every time you see it, you stop and you pray for them. 
Even if you don't like them, you pray for them. And as you do that, as you do that, then maybe it'll be a life change for some of us. And we'll say, you know something, if I'm going to pray for him, then I need to be seeking him. And I need to be pursuing him. And I need to be living a godly life. And I need to be living a holy life. And I need to be telling people about him. Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people under this flag in the United States that need to hear his word. You know, as I was hanging out Friday over there, and I keep mentioning the boys from Belgium, because... To me, it blows my mind. I think of America sending missionaries all over the world. I never think about the world sending missionaries to America. And it humbled me. It humbled me. But I'm going to ask you that as you're praying for all these, that you pray for your staff. Pray that God leads us and that we stay behind him as we lead this church. Because Satan's attacking us. Because we're making a difference right now. And he's getting nervous. A week and a half ago when I was in, in Livingston, Texas, I'll tell you, I was having the best spiritual part of my life that I've had in a long time. And I get a phone call from my wife at 9.30 one night, and she said, the ceiling fell on me. And I said, What? And she said, the, the roof, the roof is in the middle of our kitchen. So she's sending me pictures. Thank goodness for a dad that lives behind me. And I cussed it down on five hours away. I need you to run get the ceiling off the floor, off the ceiling fan. Because Satan's attacking. Because he knew at that point in my life where I was at with God. And he said, I'm going to attack your family to get you distracted. Because he does that to us. Because if he can destroy our family and distract our families, then he's got us beat. So you need to be praying for your church staff as you're praying for everybody. But this morning, where are we at? Where are we at as a church? What are we going to do? Pray for everybody. Live a godly life. And tell people about Jesus. It's simple. But some of us need to start making him the Lord of our life.